You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hi and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Talk and Brexit update on Tuesday the 5th of November. I am John Heffernan from our Customer Treasury Unit and AIB's Chief Economist Oliver Mangan joins me to discuss Brexit, UK elections and the Euro Sterling Exchange Rate and we'll round off by discussing the action of the Fed last week. Ollie, if we can start with the upcoming UK election and its potential impact on the euro sterling exchange rate. Opinion polls in the past week showed the Conservatives heading towards a victory. The majority is a possibility based on the most recent polls. What impact does this have on the, the approach to Brexit and the euro sterling exchange rate in the short term? Yeah, um, I suppose just to go with sterling, it rallied quite strongly in the middle, the middle of October when we got that deal, that revised Brexit deal. Uh, but in the last couple of weeks, it's been very range-bound against the euro. It's been at that study, 86 to 86.5p. Uh, the announcement of the election uh, didn't have much impact on the currency. The opinion polls, which show the Conservatives maybe in the last week heading towards 40% of the vote, and as you said, that's that's certainly the basis for an outright majority, haven't moved the currency either. So I think um, what we're into here is a period of range trading for sterling uh, held the election result. Now, as you say, um, I think the election is the next big event risk for stirring. If we get an election victory, a clear-cut result uh, from the Conservative Party, obviously it paves the way to ratify the withdrawal agreement uh, and for the UK to leave the uh, EU at the end of January uh, and removes a lot of uncertainty. Now, having said that, I, I think the upside for stirring may be limited in those sort of circumstances. Um, there's very strong uh, resistance in terms of stirring falling, or sorry, the euro falling back below 84, 85p. So it might get a, a penny or two bounce in the currency, but that may be it uh, on the back of a conservative win. If, on the other hand, as happened in the last election, uh, Labour picked up quite well uh, over the course of the campaign, let's say we wound up with another home parliament uh, and no resolution in terms of what we're going to do or what the UK is going to do with Brexit, with those, in those sort of circumstances, Sterling could easily give up the gains we saw of making in October and um, you know the euro go back up towards 90p. So I think uh, the election result will be important, but I think the upside is probably limited for sterling uh, from current levels. So I suppose looking towards the future and into 2020 specifically, once the election happens, and let's just say for Pig Iron, the Tories have won and UK leaves at the end of January, what will happen to euro sterling during the trade negotiations and how do you see that playing yeah, out? That's why I think even with a, a clear-cut election result, the upside for sterling may be limited because uh, obviously the focus then will be on getting the deal done and the UK leaving at the end of January. But f- what follows then is a transition period during which nothing changes. So for the customer base, you know, you, you'll trade as normal with the UK uh, during that transition period. There'll be no customs duties, there'll be no checks, anything like that. But that that transition period is to give uh, the EU and the UK an opportunity to conclude a trade deal. And the hope is that they will conclude that, conclude that trade deal by the end of, of next year. My concern is that if we have, you know, an overall Conservative majority, quite a Brexit-leaning UK government. We've Boris Johnson in particular, which he's emphasised taking back control, moving out of the UK or moving out of the EU regulatory space, uh, ability to do international trade deals. The problem is that the more that the UK wants to take back control, move out of the uh, away from the single market rules and regulations, the poorer the trade deal, if any, will get with the EU. I mean, Monsieur Barnier and other EU officials have been at pains to point out that regulatory divergence will not mean regulatory dumping. Uh, and that there'll have to be common rules in any trade pact 
uh, between the UK and the EU. And that's something that the UK may be very reluctant to uh, sign up for. So what we could see next year is very difficult negotiations, doubts about whether trade deal will be uh, reached between the UK and the EU, and we could see uh, downward pressure re-emerge in sterling. Because if we have a very poor trade deal, or let's say the, the UK in the end says, well, we do want to take back control, we'll actually go back to WTO trading rules. Well, that effectively is a hard Brexit, but not when they leave but at the end of the transition period, which is due to expire at the at the end of next year. So I think, um, you know, traders will be looking at that and say, OK, we have a Conservative win here in the election, but there's very choppy water ahead, possibly in 2020 for, for the UK currency, which, as I say, may limit its upside. There, there, there certainly will be a bounce if the Tories won. Uh, we've got a clear-cut result, but I think looking further down the, the line, uh, downward pressure could easily re-emerge re- in the UK currency. I suppose moving on to what we saw at the Fed last week, the Fed cut the rate and then decided that they're going to remove the language about any f- future cuts and put a pause in place. It's at odds with what the market is seeing at the moment. The market is obviously posting in two cuts next year. Correct. How do you see that playing yeah, out? Yeah. No, the Fed's not the only one which has been doing this. Um, markets generally have scaled back their expectations in regard to the further easing of policy for next year. There was much more built into markets a month or two ago in terms of policy easing. And what we've seen has been the ECB and the Fed in particular strike more cautious than what we've done this easing. Now, in fairness, the Fed has cut rates on three occasions since mid-year. It's reduced rates by 75 basis points. And the UK, sorry, the US economy is still doing reasonably well. We had a good employment report out last Friday. Uh, growth has slowed to about 2% in the US, but that may be the, the, the max it can grow at, given your full employment. Uh, so 2% growth is not sort of bad in those circumstances, and that's what the Fed is forecasting. So I think what it has said is that the reduction in rates to date should be sufficient to keep the US economy growing at a reasonable pace. And further, they don't see a need to lower rates any further. Now, they've obviously said uh, they haven't closed the door completely. They said if, the, if there had to be a, re- a material re-evaluation of the economic outlook, and if data continued to weaken, well, obviously the scope to, to lower, lower rates further. So I think what we have here is a divergence between the market and the Fed in terms of where they see the economy going next year. As you say, uh, the markets nearly have two full rate cuts priced in for next year. The only way that will materialise if the economy continues to weaken and growth goes well below 2%. If, on the other hand, the Fed's economic outlook is correct in terms of solid growth next year, well, then policy remains on hold. So I think what we can say is that the Fed has been cutting at every meeting uh, since mid-year. It's likely now to go on pause and reassess the economic outlook early in 2020 and whether further policy action is required or not. Uh, and again, we've had the same thing from the ECB uh, two weeks ago, where they have cut rates, they've restarted QE, but strong opposition, uh, there was obviously strong opposition to those easing measures within the Governing Council. And uh, markets there have also scaled back their expectations in terms of how much further easing the ECB will do. They're only looking at further 10 basis points cut in interest rates next year uh, for, the, for the ECB. And what impact do you think this will have on the dollar in particular against the euro and say against sterling? Well, uh, first of all, in regards to sterling, uh, you know, just to note the Bank of England is meeting this week as well on Thursday. But I think when an election, their next meeting after that is actually after the election. So for the Bank of England in terms of rate policy, they have highlighted that Brexit uncertainty is weighing on the economy, damping investment activity, etc., uh, I think what we'll see is a holding meeting this week uh, from the Bank of England on Thursday. No change in rates and very much kicking the can down the road to see what the election outcome will be. 
So uh, I think in terms of currencies, what we have seen is the dollar has been very strong in recent years, but with the Fed cutting rates uh, by 75 basis points, uh, it's not on the slide, but it has softened a bit in the last uh, number of weeks. So I think as against that, you know, we have negative interest rates in the Eurozone. So we've, we've seen the dollar and the euro in quite an hour range for most of this year. And I think that's likely what we're going to see continue in the in the, in the near term. We've both, if you like, the, the the Fed and the ECB off the pitch in terms of any near-term moving rates. Uh, so those sort of circumstances, we could see you know, the dollar against the euro trade at a level of 110 to 113. So not much difference from what we've seen since the middle of the year, uh, especially, say, with both central banks now on hold. And just touching on, as you say, looking forward to the week, the Bank of England is the big story and you're expecting them to basically more or less come out and say we're going to have to see what happens in the election before we go. Is Do you think there's going to be any more kind of surprises coming from them? Or? No, I, the, the probably won't be as crude as that. They'll probably just say we keep policy on hold, probably unanimous vote to do that. Uh, but they might highlight that uh, if, if Brexit uncertainty was to persist, they might say that then we'd have to consider whether an easing of monetary policy is required in those sort of circumstances because of the fact that growth in the UK economy now has slowed a lot over the last couple of quarters. There's also the slowdown of the global economy is obviously impacting the UK, but uh, adding to that is the ongoing uncertainty around Brexit. And it certainly has dampened uh, business activity in terms of business investment. Uh, it has damp- dampened construction activity. So th- there are pockets of weakness in, in, in the um in the UK economy, it wouldn't be surprised if the, if the quarter three figures come out and show growth was just maybe 0.1%. So that's certainly much weaker than the Bank of England wants. So I think that they might give a nod towards uh, <clears throat> if Brexit uncertainty was to persist, that they might have to loosen policy in those sort of circumstances, uh, possibly even before year end. At that meeting, I think it's due on the uh, December the 19th. Thank you, Ollie, as always, for your insightful commentary. And thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. Please note that we are also releasing today our monthly PMI broadcast with a particular focus on the manufacturing sector. If you wish to stay up to date on markets and Brexit, please press the subscribe button to AIB's Market Talk on podcast apps for iOS or Android. We'll speak with you again next week. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.